Today on Blue 58, what do we need to say? The season is here. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here. It is here. The NFL season has arrived. It is week one. As we are recording this, the Chiefs and Texans are about to kick off. And we are about to start our six-month sprint to the Super Bowl. Five months, however long it is. It's exciting to be here. And the Packers have a date with the Minnesota Vikings less than 72 hours from now. I'm excited. I hope you are excited too. And I'm excited to be here recording the very first preview podcast of the 2020 season. Previews are tough for me uh, because it's hard after you do a lot of research on a team, after you're as familiar with the Packers as you become, you know, writing and talking about them a whole lot, to distill it down into, yes, this is definitely what I think is going to happen one way or another. You end up with just kind of a lot of possibilities, a lot of uncertainty. And I was thinking about uncertainty a lot today, if you'll allow me an opportunity to torture a metaphor a little bit. So 14 months ago, as of the day this podcast comes out, uh, we introduced our new co-host into the world. He is now a bouncing 14-month-old, much louder, though still fairly inarticulate member of this show. Hasn't made many appearances, but there have been opportunities to hear him in the background. Today was a bit of a tough day with the new co-host. He had a bit of a rough day, uh, running a little bit of a fever, And there's a couple things it could be. I think it's probably the two molars that he's popping through his lower jaw right now. Do not envy him at all. And if you call your pediatrician, that's basically what they say. But if you start Googling his symptoms, bad move, in hopes of trying to rule a couple other things out, you start getting a little bit more uncertainty. Somebody will say... Yeah, it could be the the teething, but it could also be an ear infection. And you know, that's not that unusual. He's 14 months old, got a family history of that on both sides of the family, that being pretty common. Maybe it's an ear infection. Maybe it's something more serious. Maybe he's got something in his ear. Maybe it's a ruptured eardrum. Maybe, if you ask WebMD, he's got ear cancer. You never know. He's been pulling on his ear a lot. It could be something like that. But if you ask your pediatrician for the solution, they say, well, since he's running a fever, you should probably bring him in tomorrow. But in the meantime, watch his symptoms, give him some Motrin, and just let it play out. See what happens. So we know we know at this point. We know that he is teething. We know that he's got a little bit of a fever. But other than that, we give him some Motrin and let it play out. That's a lot like how I feel heading into week one. We know a fair bit about the Packers, but not a lot. And I feel like as much research as we've done here prepping for this show, I know a fair bit about the Vikings, but even less than I do about the Packers. We just don't know that much about what the Vikings actually are for a few reasons. They've had lots of turnovers since the Packers last saw them. Some turnover on their coaching staff. Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, is now the head coach in Cleveland. They've had a bunch of players leave, some big names. 
through either free agency, releasing them, or or through trades. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Mackenzie Alexander, Stefan Diggs. It's a pretty long list, and those are some pretty big high-end names. Between the two of them, Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph have made six Pro Bowls. That is some high-end talent. We also haven't seen the Vikings in the preseason at all. It does matter a little bit, if only for the injuries. We we know we're getting basically the full Minnesota Vikings experience, minus Daniil Hunter. But other than that, we haven't lost anybody. We also haven't seen anything about what they're doing in the preseason at all. And I do take a little bit of perverse joy in that this year because I am one of the eight people in the world who happens to like preseason football. And this year I got to look at everybody else and say, ha ha, welcome to my world. You want preseason football now, don't you? Don't you? You want preseason football. You better not complain about it next year. Now what are you doing? You have no information. You're stuck here with me wanting to watch preseason football, but we don't have that this year, so we don't know much about the Minnesota Vikings. And then, it's just the early season. You rarely know anything at all early on. Just for an example, I'm going to quote from the preview article I wrote about the Packers-Bears game in week one last year. Three paragraphs. Quote, It's hard not to think of parallels between the 2018 matchup between the Bears and Packers and this one. The Bears spent the 2018 offseason completely overhauling their roster, culminating with their enormous trade for Khalil Mack just before the season began. But those pieces took some time to gel, and despite a gimpy Aaron Rodgers and a generally outmanned team, the Packers came out on top. This year, I think those roles are reversed in Week 1. The Packers overhauled their team this offseason, but it's going to take some time for all those changes to be fully realized on this team. I think an improved Packers squad plays well this week, but it won't be enough to topple a strong Bears defense in Chicago. End quote. As it turns out, the Packers won in Week 1, they handled the Bears pretty well, and the Bears turned out to not be all that good after all. But at the time, when the Packers beat the Bears, they even called it an upset because what we knew at the time said that it probably was. But in reality, the Bears turned out to be pretty meh, and the Packers, well, you know the story from there, 13-3, and a game away from the Super Bowl last year. The point is we just don't know a lot right now. And it's been a long time since we've gotten to figure anything out about these teams. But this weekend, we get to start doing that. But let's look at what we can. When the Vikings have the ball, I think they're going to fall back mainly on their identity from last year. Last year, at least in theory, the Vikings' offensive identity was basically what the Packers are striving for. Wide zone runs, generally kind of run-based, a lot of play-action passing. That's what the Packers wanted to want to do. They were pretty balanced, too, in terms of their success. They were 10th by DVOA in passing offense. They were 11th in rushing. Play-action-wise, they were 9th in play-action frequency and 7th on yards per play on play-action plays. Uh, 30% of their plays were play-action passes. And on those plays, they averaged 8.8 yards per play, 2.2 yards more than the Packers, a lot more effective. But this year, there are questions about that approach. Dalvin Cook is dissatisfied heading into a contract year. Stephon Diggs is gone. Even if Justin Jefferson can replace him, it probably won't be a one-to-one replacement this year. It takes a while for rookie receivers to figure it out. Probably won't come out of the gates like Randy Moss did. 
And on top of that, Kirk Cousins just wasn't great last year in either game against the Packers. He is a strength of their offense, but it wasn't he wasn't against the Packers last year. In two games against the Packers, he threw for 352 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions on 30 of 63 passing. Not great. Those are the Packers' strengths. There are some, or the Vikings' strengths on offense. There are some questions about that. So where are the Vikings generally weak? Where are they vulnerable? Well, on their offensive line, they've got some questions, like they have seemingly forever. They drafted Ezra Cleveland. They still have got Riley Reif, but still, it always seems like the offensive line in Minnesota is in flux, and you've got to believe the Packers are feeling pretty good about their chances to duplicate what they did last time the Packers and Vikings played and get to Kirk Cousins frequently. The Packers sacked Kirk Cousins five times last time and were in his face all the time. Darius Smith had five quarterback hits alone. A good day for the Packers' defense. But more about that in, in just a second. Other than those strengths and weaknesses, I'd keep a lookout for B.C. Johnson on offense for the Vikings. Six foot, 204 pound receiver, a seventh round pick in 2019. has been taking on a bigger role this year. Not necessarily a big play guy based on his numbers last year, but he's currently listed ahead of Justin Jefferson on the depth chart. So we should at least be aware of him, know that he's coming. When the Packers have the ball, I think it's important to remain conscious of the strength of the Vikings defense. They have lost some big names. Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, and for this week, at least, Daniil Hunter will no longer be lining up on the Vikings front. But their front seven is still good, even if it's only three noteworthy names and a bunch of bodies right now. They've got Unique Ngakwe, obviously. We've talked about him a lot in the past. A big fan of that acquisition. It's a good short-term move that could blossom into a good long-term move. They've also still got Eric Kendricks, a very solid, like the perfect modern linebacker, and Anthony Barr, a playmaker. All still good, all worth watching out for. I wish Anthony Barr had better stats. Every time the Packers play the Vikings, I think about Anthony Barr in part because of what he did to Aaron Rodgers in 2017. But then you look up his stats and it's just like you wish it was a little bit better. In fact, if you really want to, you can divide up his career into chunks that look fairly similar to A.J. Hawk. Take that for whatever it's worth. Vikings up front also have Ifiadi Odenigbo. And I'm pretty sure I butchered that name just as I did in both Packers-Vikings games last year. But he had seven sacks last year, a formidable force up front. But where are the Vikings vulnerable? On defense, it has to be the secondary. Has to be the secondary. Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris are as good as it gets for a safety duo. But they have a lot of questions beyond that. First, because they don't have any safeties other than Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris on their roster. But secondly, because of all the departures. Xavier Rhodes was bad in 2019. Now he's gone. Trey Waynes is gone. Mackenzie Alexander is gone. Instead, they have Mike Hughes and Holton Hill probably starting on the outside with Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler rotating in in nickel packages. And a lot of those guys are really good prospects. Hughes was a was highly regarded in the draft. Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dantzler, both highly thought of, good value picks for the Vikings. But it's a big ask for them to be ready to go as a unit heading into week one with no live rep tune-ups against anybody other than their own team. That's just a big ask. 
the Packers have a leg up there. Even with limited weapons in the passing game, they can attack a unit that hasn't played together all that much. Should also keep in mind, or maybe this is just of interest to me, but I think it's worth noting that the Vikings picked Baylor defensive tackle James Lynch in the fourth round of this spring's draft. I liked him a lot as a Packers prospect, but unfortunately, they wouldn't have even had him a shot had him in the fourth round, even if they didn't trade up for Jordan Love. So the Packers traded pick number 30 and pick number 136 to move up in the first round. Lynch went at pick 130, so they would have just missed out there. Like his versatility on the defensive line, like his athleticism. Vikings also took Troy Dye, a linebacker, at 132, another guy I like for the Packers. And if that just doesn't encapsulate the Springs draft, I, I don't know what else could even better. Uh, because there were just a bunch of situations where things did not break terribly well for the Packers. Brandon Ayuk goes, and suddenly the last wide receiver they like is off the board in the first round. Uh, they're coming down the pike, and suddenly Chase Claypool and a couple other big wide receivers go just before they pick, pick A.J. Dillon. Uh, they have to do maybe pick Josiah DeGuar a little bit earlier than they necessarily would have liked just because they don't have a fourth-round pick. A bunch of, of cascading issues there. But this Lynch would have been in the neighborhood of one of their picks, maybe a, a trade-up option, who knows. But it's a it's an intriguing what-if. Let's remember the last time the Vikings and Packers played, Week 16 of the 2019 season. Much closer game than I remembered. Vikings actually led 10-9 to at the half, but the, the Packers actually go on to win 23-10, to in part because Aaron Rodgers got things figured out, but in part because the Packers' defense just was pretty special that day. Rodgers, 26 of 40 for 216 yards, no touchdowns and interception. But Aaron Jones, phenomenal. 23 carries, 154 yards, two touchdowns. Adds two catches for six yards. Not a big deal there. But on defense, Zadarius Smith gets a sack. Kenny Clark gets a sack. Preston Smith comes up with half a sack. Blake Martinez making plays all over the field. Eight tackles. Kevin King has an interception. Just a great top-to-bottom effort by the Packers' defense as they put the Vikings away in Minnesota. And boy, do you always love to see that. So what's going to happen Sunday? Well, after looking at the Vikings, after looking at the Packers, after thinking about the way things typically go in Week 1, sloppy football, just generally maybe a little bit unprepared, especially in a year like this, I feel like I have to come down on the Packers' side. I feel confident in the Packers this Sunday. I think they will win. And I think it ultimately comes down to just where they are in the life cycle of their team. So the Vikings this spring had to pay the piper a little bit. They've been pushing contract situations down the road for a while, And finally, everything came due. So they had to jettison some salary. They couldn't retain Linval Joseph. Everson Griffin moves on. Stephon Diggs works his way out of town. And a couple of guys just kind of reached the end of their their time in Minnesota. They're not worth extending at their age and performance level in Xavier Rhodes. And that's if they're Trey Waynes, maybe they just reached their ceiling. So the Vikings are retooling a little bit. They piled up a bunch of draft picks this spring to do that. They've got a dozen more next spring. But it's going to take time for them to get back to where I think they were last year. 
There's still a lot to like about the Vikings if you're a Vikings fan. I think you can do a lot worse than Kirk Cousins. He had a great season last year, really, except for his games against the Packers. He had a a really solid season. But just they just couldn't get it done against the Packers. And so now they are taking a little bit of a step back and have to retool a little bit. I think the Packers are just further along in their team development cycle than the Vikings are right now. And I think that gives them a leg up in a year where they're coming in with no preseason games, limited training camp. You side with the team that has a little bit more continuity. That seems to be the Packers. But I'm also reminded, that's what I thought about the the Bears last year. And yeah, things are a little bit different with the Vikings, who they're thrown out there on offense. They don't have Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback. That is true. But there are some similarities there in that storyline, right? The Vikings had to retool this season. Packers had to retool last spring. The Vikings ended up coming out hotter than maybe some teams thought, or some people thought they would, or the Packers did. Maybe the Vikings will do the same. I think ultimately I still come down on the Packers side. And a lot of you happen to agree with me. We've restarted our Packers polling. And of the voters who responded to our poll online, 89.7% said the Packers would beat the Vikings on Sunday. Worth noting that uh, every game last year, more than half of the voters in the poll thought the Packers would win. Very optimistic lot we have among our poll respondents. Elsewhere in our polls, I think it's worth summarizing kind of where we stand to start the year. We won't go super in-depth on these every week, but just 67.7% of voters approve of the overall direction of the Packers as of week one. That is down significantly from last year, where just over 80% of voters felt confident about the direction of the Packers. A couple voters pointed out that that may have something to do with, uh, with the Packers' Social justice stance, that is, I think, a legitimate position if if you disapprove of what they're doing because of that. But it's also worth pointing out that uh, 26.2% of voters had a neutral opinion of the Packers. So it's not like it's just a, a wave of Packers who are people who disapprove of what the Packers are doing. Brian Gutekunst is not starting off this season particularly hot. Just 58.8% of voters approve of what he's doing. That is in stark contrast to to what people think about Matt LaFleur. 91% of other voters said they approve of the job he's doing. Aaron Rodgers had the next highest approval rating at just over 80%. Mike Pettin uh, was at 56%, just under 57 And Sean Menenga, among the people we polled, had just 27% approval rating. However, there are a lot of people who are taking the wait-and-see approach on Sean Menega. 58.6% of voters said they had a neutral opinion of him right now. Elsewhere, noteworthy in our polls, more than 92% of voters think the Packers are going to make the playoffs this year. I count myself among them. One last thought before we go. Last episode, we talked about our predictions for the 2020 season. I asked for your predictions, and we got a few of them. Uh, Rick Beese on Twitter says Aaron Rodgers throws for more than 20 touchdowns. Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling combined for more than 500 yards, mostly Alan Lazard, and the Packers will finish between 11 and 13 wins on the year. Lee86 on YouTube says the Packers will go 11 and 5 this year. Quote, I think this is still a really good team. I'm hoping for better chemistry between Rodgers and the wide receiver core. That right 
offensive tackle is pretty concerning. It seemed like one of the positions to address in the draft, not just put an empty Band-Aid there, end quote. It goes on there for a ways, but uh, I think those are the the noteworthy headlines there. I think that is a a fair prediction there, Lee. Finally, Kevin uh, had a bevy of predictions here. Will We'll pull out a couple concerning the defense. He says, I still think we'll be slashed by the run, as Mike Pettin has said he's going to focus on the pass defense first. I think Rodgers will have more big plays, but still not quite his prime again. I expect at least three third downs per game he fails to convert going by last year. I think A.J. Dillon will impress but not be a superstar, and Jamon Williams will, while good, sort of disappear in terms of standout plays, with Dillon getting into rhythm and Jones being used more creatively towards the end of the season. Good predictions there, and if you have any others you want to get in before week one, let me know, and we'll include them in our tracker for this year. We can all be accountable for our picks this year. Guys, I'm excited. There's no two ways about it. Uh, This has been a long time coming. There were times I was not sure we were going to get here. But here we are. The Packers, in about two days, are going to be taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And we deserve this. It's it's been a heck of an offseason. But I'm, I'm proud of us for making it here, and I'm proud to uh, to be going through another season of Packers football with you. Uh, don't know if you've been keeping track at home, but this is the fifth year of the Power Sweep and Blue 58. And I'm excited to continue to help as much as we can. Everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans. And better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time after a Packers win on Blue 58.